You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Anything like that. If you're here this morning, God had a part in that, so we believe he wants to speak to you and encourage your heart. So just sit back, relax, open up your heart, and just receive all that he has for you this morning. That is awesome. My Cowboys alert just went off. <laughs> yeah, 325, thank you. Yeah. Oh, man. So, um, again, I'm the associate pastor here at Tyler Christian Fellowship. Our senior pastor, Brother Joe Canal, and his wife Becky are away uh, for the weekend to get away for her birthday and, um, and uh, celebrate that time together, so I'm filling in for him today. So if you're new, if this is your first time to TCF and you're just checking us out for the first time, I want to welcome you to come back again uh, next Sunday when Brother Joe will be back in the pulpit, and you'll get a little bit better feel for who we are and uh, how we roll. But again, we're just glad that you're here today, so just make yourself at home. Um, we have a couple things I want to do before we release the kids this morning. Um, we have a special guest in with us um, from a ministry that we is very much a part of who we are. Uh, everyone here is, uh, most everyone here has probably at least heard a little bit or a lot about Sight.org. And that is a ministry um, founded, started and founded by our own Louis Swan. And they provide eye surgeries in Togo, Africa, and, and have been doing an incredible work reaching uh, an impoverished area and bringing um, medical supplies and surgeries to people who desperately, desperately uh, need it. And they have, um, I how many so far this year, Lewis, how many eye surgeries performed? Wow, come on. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So, um, we have here today with us um, the, uh, the director of Sight.org, um, and, uh, but to introduce her, I'm going to welcome Steve and Helen Clark to the stage. Um, they have gotten to know Mesa and, um, and can share a little bit more about her, so let's give Steve and Helen a big hand as they come to introduce her. <clears throat> and welcome Mesa to the stage as well. It has been our pleasure to, to get to know them a lot better, uh, but uh, Mesa is the Togo director, and basically we send her the resources and she makes it happen. She works with a government to get permission. She works with the uh, village elders and village chiefs to get permission in each village. She orchestrates how everything is done and does a wonderful job. Uh, David asked us to share something we love uh, about Mesa, and the thing I love about Mesa the most is my new uh, petit-fice, my new granddaughter. She calls Aww. me grandpapa, and I've got to be a grandpapa again. That's what I love the most. Oh, and of course, I've got to be grandma as well, so I've learned some very significant, important phrases in French, which I won't share here. Um, <laughs> um, what do I love about them? I don't know everything, I think. Um, three years ago, we got to go and see Mesa in action in uh, Togo. And uh, we were really, I don't know, just really bonded to her right there, right from the airport um, where we first met. Um, and she took care of us. 
uh, gently led us in the right way and uh, got us used to Africa. And uh, getting to know her here in the US has been such a blessing. Um, I got to see her in Togo as their leader. Um, she is uh, she is a servant. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to get emotional, sorry. Um, but she, uh, she serves and leads, and leads and serves. And uh, we've just been blessed to see that here. I'll be standing cooking in the kitchen and suddenly Mays is there washing dishes because using a dishwasher is lazy. <laughs> and we are lazy because we have so many wonderful machines. But she does like my washing machine. So... <laughs> Um, but anyway, we ha really have been blessed. It's been a wonderful three weeks, and uh, my daughter's bedroom has been renamed as Mazer's room, and uh, will always be available to her. All right. Thank you, Stephen Helen. Yeah, you stay. Not while we had Mesa in. Um, I would kind of do a little interview style. Um, uh, meet and greet with Mesa and kind of let her share her story a little bit so that you guys get to know her better. Um, so here you go, Mesa. Um, so Mesa, first of all, um, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, you're obviously very loved uh, in this body, and we really recognize and honor you for the work that you're doing in Togo, Africa. It's amazing to hear all the updates as we've sent missionaries to Togo, like Stephen Helen and others. They come back and report the amazing good work that you're doing there. We're just, we just want to honor you today and thank you for your work there. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your own personal spiritual journey and maybe how you came to be a part of Sight.org. Thank you for having me this morning again. Uh, my personal journey, uh, I have the privilege to be born in a Christian family. My grandfather is the president of Assemblies of God of Togo, so I was born in the Christian family. But I accepted Christ when I was 15 years. Uh, you know, if born in the Christian family doesn't mean you are a Christian. So I accepted Christ when I was 15 years. And I used to go to church with my family, everybody. And I've gone through many things. But I really, really start serving God uh, when I travel to other, another country to continue my study because I was uh, facing some challenges and I just put everything in God's hand and he really worked, he really worked for me. Amen. And I just, and till now, I worship my God and everything is good by the grace of God. How I joined sad.org. In 2010, uh, Messiship came to Togo, and I had the opportunity to work on Messiship. That's where I met Lois Swan, and we worked in the same department. I was their translator. I had to translate from English to French, French mm -hmm. to English, so I worked with him. But Messiship did only six weeks in Togo, and they left, Lois too left. And three years later, Lewis called me that he's like he has started the organization with some people, but I used to hear from him everything. But three years later, I started working with Lewis as a, 
uh, director of uh, side.org. But when he called me, three times I refused. I rejected. I didn't want to work with him. I don't know why, but <laughs> I didn't want to work with him. But if God has a plan for you, it's like everything will just work. And you know what, when he called me, when I decided to start working with Lewis, there are some opportunities that come. Yeah. It's like people were offering me a job, even four times the salary that Lewis was giving me. Wow. I have to pray. <laughs> <laughs> and we understand. Yeah, so, and I, I pray to my, I just give yeah. everything to God. I pray yeah. and I just choose, yes. It's my country. He came to help my country. I have to help my country yeah. people too. So that's how I come to Side.org. And yeah. today it's been seven years that I'm working as a director of Side.org in Togo. Wow, wow. <laughs> praise the Lord. Awesome, awesome. So, <clears throat> so why don't you share with us, like since your time with Side.org, what's like the most amazing thing that you have seen yeah. uh, take place in Togo? Yes, the most, I have two things. Okay. The first one, the most amazing thing in what I've experienced since I started working with Sarah.org is get the opportunity to, to see the Prime Minister of Togo. Why? Because it's like I, I have to get the permission, authorization from the government before we go to the remote area and work. One day we were going to work in a village and um, we need the uh, authorization. Everything was settled already, but the authorization was not signed. And we need it to start working. And 120 people were waiting for surgery. No authorization, there is no surgery. So I just went to the prime minister office. I just waited there. I said, I, <laughs> uh, I need my letter to be signed. Otherwise, I'm not leaving from this office. It's difficult to see these people as something, somebody like me, it's difficult to see these people. So I was just waiting there, and everybody was saying, okay, you have to go, we don't, the prime minister can't see you, all this. I said, I will wait. I have to get authorization, because 120 people are waiting there to get surgery. I was waiting there till 5 p.m., they have to close. And somebody just walked out, okay, the prime minister has already gone to his house. So I have to, they have to take my letter, go to the prime minister's house, wow. so that the, the letter will get signed. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to take, uh, so we went together, they signed the letter, and I took it, and I called the village, okay, the surgery can start. I got the <laughs> authorization, the prime minister. It's something that was so important for me, because it's like, no matter how high they are, because I have the aim, I have something to do, I just forget about their, their I don't know how to call it, their Status, position. Yeah, position. And I just go and get my authorization. Because that what is very important for me is these people get their surgery. Amen. Yes. And the second thing that um, really touched me is uh, seeing someone uh, during our gospel ministry, we met someone who came to our surgery. He's a witch, witch doctor. Mm -hmm. He really is a witch doctor. He doesn't know Christ. He doesn't know anything about Christ. And because we did him sights, he accepted Christ at the end. Wow. So someone from this dark place became to Christ. It was a big deal for us because it's very rare. It's like yeah. we, things like that don't happen often, but... 
by us by getting sight, he became to know Christ, and it's something that really touches me. And uh, recently he dies, but we are happy because yeah. he know Christ. Amen. Before he died, yeah. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. We commend you for your faith to take a stand and hold on to what you know Thank God you. wants you to do. That is Texas tough. We're going to adopt you. You're officially a Texan today, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. So um, tell us a little bit, like, throughout, the, throughout your time with this ministry, how has God personally challenged you and grown you um, as a believer? Yes. Uh, so since I started with TED.org, I faced many challenges. Many challenges. Even some, Lewis doesn't know some, but... Uh, in 2015, uh, it's like we have a team, mm -hmm. but there are some people on, on the team. I don't know what's happened, but it's like there are many things that happened, and it's reached a time I just wanted to quit. I didn't want to continue. And uh, fortunately, my mother, by this time, my mother was with me because I was pregnant with my daughter. My mother was there, but things were happening and is that you know in my country whenever you are a lady it's difficult to lead a team when men are there it's like a lady doesn't have the right to tell you do this do this is not common in my country mm -hmm. so i have to face many challenges and uh is a big is a is a big story but i don't have to i don't have the time to tell everything but i just put everything in prayer and God himself worked, and these people that were on the team and creating this problem, they are just out of the team, and now we have a good team. Yeah. Yes, and now I can work freely, and everything is okay. Otherwise, I, I, I went through many challenges, yeah. yes. And sometimes, to to get the authorization to go to work in the remote village is difficult because there are some NGOs to there, mm -hmm that are going to the same place. But these people, they go to work to get, it's like, uh, it's like we are taking their patient mm -hmm. from them because they, they are working for, to get money. But it's like we are taking, because most of people come to us, when we go to the remote, we, most of the people come. So it's difficult sometimes because mm -hmm. some people do something so that we will not get the authorization sign. Mm -hmm. But with, uh, with prayers, Everything goes well every time Amen. I go to get authorization. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, so speak to us as a body this morning. How can we, as Tyler Christian Fellowship, um, help you and support you in the work that you're doing in Togo? And maybe encourage somebody here who's thinking about going into mission work full time. What would you say to them? Yes, uh, to support us, you are, some of you are already supporting us already, and I just want to thank you for what you are doing. Uh, if I want to encourage someone to, who is willing, it's like, I'll just tell the person, there is nothing, uh, it's like, there is no, I don't know, there is no, they're comparing to the joy you feel whenever you give hope to someone. Whenever you give hope to someone, because you've seen, it's like, where I am now, we said, oh, this is my place. Mm -hmm. I know, because uh, since my childhood, I like helping people. Whenever I have, I like helping people. Mm -hmm. So that's why maybe God just put me in this organization. 
So if someone wants to join this organ, I would just encourage the person to do it, to pray and do it, because it's like whenever you help someone, the, f the, the joy that the person feels, you yourself, you will feel it. Yeah. Yes. And um, how to help financially, yes, we have more than 30 to 60,000 people there waiting for surgery again. Mm -hmm. And by now, we are the first uh, organization who does cataract surgery. We are the number one by now in Togo wow. who does cataract surgery in Togo. So there are some people, and there are many people waiting there. So mm -hmm. financially, you can continue. Those who want to partner with us, you can see Lewis, and uh, he will tell you how to partner with us. And you can partner to do uh, through mission. Mm -hmm. You can come to us. People are there waiting to hear uh, the gospel. Mm -hmm. We have people that we, we are in a witchcraft area. People mm -hmm. don't know Jesus. So they will feel happy when you come to share the word of God with them. Yes, they will feel happy to receive you. And uh, you can come as a nurse. We have nurses who used to come. Even when we mm -hmm. we are, you are a nurse, you can come. And the nurses come there and they help us a lot doing clinic, helping mm -hmm. children in the village to, mm -hmm. to, to heal whenever they have something. Well, it's yes. a lot of good work to be done over yes, there for sure. Yes, a lot of good work yeah. to be done, yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you so <laughs> much for sharing with us this morning. I, I feel led to do this. I want to pray for Meza before she leaves the stage uh, for the Lord to just continue to bless her work. So would you just stretch out your hand towards Meza? Let's bless her this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for Meza, Lord. We thank you for the incredible work that you are doing through this woman of God. <clears throat> Lord, when I look at her, I just see an Esther, Lord God, someone that you have raised up, Lord God, and put favor on uh, for such a time as this in Togo. And Lord God, we, um, she has testified how you've opened doors and gone before her, and you've made a way where there appeared to be no way. And we thank you for that. But God, we're believing you for even more. Lord, we pray for even more doors to open, for the gospel to go forth in Togo like never before, Lord God. We pray that you would bless Mesa. We speak a hedge of protection over her, Lord, and over her family, uh, Lord God, that you would uh, just continue to raise her, uh, raise the level of influence that Mesa has uh, in Togo, Lord God. Uh, we just pray, Lord God, that she would just be a mouthpiece uh, for the living God in Togo, Lord, that you would just bless her abundantly, Lord God, and just continue to give her joy in the work of her hands. We give you the glory and the thanks and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give her a big hand. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Amen. Again, if you want to know more about the work of Sight.org or how to get involved or maybe uh, go out um, to uh, Togo, uh, speak to Louis Swan if you can raise your hand there. Um, he's the man with the plan. So if you have a heart for Togo or want to connect with him, see Louis and he'll be glad to give you all the information you need. So at this time, we're going to go ahead and release the kids to go ahead and head over to their Christmas practice. Christmas play practice is going on through from now for the next few weeks. So I'm excited about what they're going to present to us in December. It's going to be awesome. They always put on a good performance for us. So we're still appreciative of their teachers 
and all they pour into our kids every year. So this morning, I'm going to kind of preach an, a one-off message, and it's going to springboard off of a message that uh, was shared here um, a couple of weeks ago by Brother Bill Fowler. And um, we were out and missed it. Um, we were with family, but I did was able to hear the podcast, and I was really lit up. Um, how many of you guys were here that, that Sunday? It was a good word. It was a timely word for our body. And um, there were some things that he said that really spoke to me and um, really confirmed some things that the Lord had been speaking to me um, already. And so I'm going to kind of piggyback off of a few things that he said uh, this morning and, uh, and uh, take it a little deeper. Um, part of what Brother Bill was talking about was how, um, as believers in this day and age, we really need to be pursuers of God's glory to seek his face, to seek him. He was talking about how uh, in the nation and in the, just in the world in general, but specifically in, in our nation, how back backwards things have slidden over the years and how much this nation needs revival and how much we need to be pursuers of the heart of God and of the glory of God. And so um, I'm in agreement with that. I believe that we as believers um, should be about the business of seeking not only to give God's glory, but to um, experience His glory and to share His glory in the earth. Glory is kind of one of those words, it's real deep. It's kind of like um, the word grace. There's a lot of different ways it's used and a lot of different meanings and for, in whatever context it's used in the Bible kind of helps us understand uh, the meaning of the word. But um, I believe what Bill, where Bill was going with it and, um, and also where we're going to go with it this morning is uh, fits this definition best. It's glory, uh, the Hebrew word kabod, the manifest presence and power of God. And that's what we want. That's what, what we want in our lives, in our families, in our church, in this nation. We need, we not only want it, we need to see it now like never before, to see the presence and power of God moving uh, in our midst. Amen? Can you say amen with me? That is, um, and when Bill was sharing that, my heart was just really resonating. It's like, yes, Lord, we are hungry for more of you. We are hungry to see you, um, to see you move in this, in our personal lives, in our families, our church, our nation. We are pursuers of your presence and of your power, and we need it now like never before. So we're going to talk about um, pursuing the glory of God, and there's Three conditions that I just briefly want to mention um, in the remaining time that we have together that I believe are like, um, these three conditions are like a magnet for the glory of God in our lives. And here they are quickly. Um, three conditions that draw the glory of God or that reveal it. Hunger, humility, and then what I call hiddenness. And we'll get to that one. That sounds a little weird right now, but we'll kind of get to that here in just a minute. So I want to I take a look at um, God's glory and understanding God's glory and unpacking these three conditions um, that God would, would want to find us in by looking at a story of a man in the Bible from Exodus chapter 33. The man is Moses, and he dared to ask one of the most bold and audacious questions on the face of the earth. He asked to see God's glory. 
And so I believe when we take a look at Moses in this particular um, situation and circumstance, when he asks this question, we see these three things um, in him that God wants to see in us today. So let's uh, begin by taking a look at this story. Um, If you have your Bible and you want to open or your phone or whatever, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 33. And I'm going to do just a real quick catch up to where we are in the story. Uh, At this point in the journey, Israel has come out of bondage. They've come out of Egypt and they're about three months removed from Egypt. And they have set up camp at Mount Sinai. And Moses has um, heard the Lord and he has gone up Mount Sinai and met with God. And he comes back down the mountain um, to share the word of the Lord and the commandments and everything that God has spoken to him while he was up there with Israel. And if you remember, when he's coming back down the mountain, he, they, he and uh, Joshua hear the sound of music in the distance. And as they draw closer, they realize it's the sound of party. It's party songs. And God has already spoken to Moses and said, the people have fallen into disobedience while you were away. And so they come back and they find, um, they find that the whole camp has turned away from the living God from the one that has led them out of slavery, led them out of Egypt, and led them up to this point. They have turned their back, and they have turned back to worshiping idols. And so Moses comes back, and he he, uh, calls, he says, everyone who's with me, with the living God, come to me. And the Levites, the tribe of Levi, come to him, and he gives them a command to go through the camp and to wipe out everyone else who is against the living God. And they do, and about 3,000 people fall that day by the sword. And then furthermore, God sends a plague upon Israel as a form of judgment for their disobedience. And so he's dealt harshly because Israel has broken a covenant with God. They have broken their covenant with the living God. Well, now it's time to move on from Mount Sinai and move towards the promised land. And God tells Moses, It's time to go. I'm sending the angel of the Lord before you. He's going to drive out the Amalekites and all the other ites in the land. He's going to he's going to send an angel of the Lord before you. But I myself am not going to go with you. Because if I go with you, um, I know this people. I know their disobedience and they're likely to fall back into sin. So that's where we're going to pick up this story again. The Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of the land of Egypt, and go to the land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, because you're a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. And that seems pretty harsh, but in the Old Covenant, when you broke covenant with the one you made covenant with, there were stiff. There was a stiff penalty. There was a stiff punishment, and uh, God was God didn't want to do that again. He'd already done that once with His people, and He didn't want to wipe them out. So God said, "You go, but I cannot go with you. I cannot be in the center of you." Up to this point, He had been in this. He had been with them. He had been leading them, and Moses begs Him. Moses falls, realizes the situation. He realizes what God has just said, and Moses turns to God, and he pleads uh, with God. And uh, he says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, please do not send us up from here. 
How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And so then there's this exchange between he and God, and God relents, and God says, I will go with you. And he makes this promise to Moses that I will be with you. I will go with you. And then Moses, I guess, jumping on the fact that he's got favor, you know, he's got favor, and God is, is listening to him and answering him, he goes another step further, and he asks one of the most bold questions I think any man could possibly ask, especially at this time in history. Then Moses said, please show me your glory. And God said, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. And the Lord replied, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And he added, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. And then the Lord continued, there's a place near me where you are to stand upon a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will hide you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take my hand away and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. So again, three conditions that are like a magnet for God's glory in our lives. And the first one was hunger. We see this in Moses. We see the hunger, the absolute. There's two things that drive hunger, whether it's physical hunger or spiritual hunger. Hunger is driven by, number one, desperation, and number two, desire. Exodus 33.15, we see Moses say, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses is, un, uh, is aware of the desperateness of the situation that they are in. Because God belongs at the center of his people. And Moses went on to say, there's nothing else that distinguishes us from anyone else on the face of the earth. If you're not at the center of us, if you're not what defines who we are and what we are, then we're just like everybody else. And we're vulnerable. And the same applies for us. If the presence of the living God is not at the very center of who we are as a people and who we are as individuals, as a person, there is very little more that distinguishes us from any other person on the face of the earth except maybe good intentions. We are desperate for God's presence. We are desperate that He be rightly placed in our lives. There's a desperation that should, that should build within us a hunger for Him to be first in our lives, for Him to be central, for Him to be the center of all things. We should be hungry for the glory of God in our lives. And this is a condition when we realize the desperate need that we have for His presence, that we're like Moses. I don't want to go a step in my day without His presence. Do you? I don't want to enter a day without having met with Him, without spending time with Him. I don't want to walk anywhere throughout my day unless I know He's with me. When I know He's with me, there's a boldness, there's a confidence, there's a courage, there's a peace, there's grace, there's everything that I need for that day. But when I don't, when I'm, I have not met with Him, when I have not centered my life rightly before Him, when I have not put Him 
made him central and first and foremost at the beginning of that day, it's chaos. It can be chaotic. Amen? And so our first, the, the, the condition that God wants us to remain in is stay hungry. The Bible says don't lose your spiritual fervor or your zeal. Stay zealous. Stay hungry for God. The second one is desire. And we see this when God answers the question that Moses asked, please go with us. And God answers, I will go with you. Then, then that's when Moses turns and he asks that the big one, then show me your show me your glory. Moses has a desire for more. See, Moses up to this point had seen evidences of the glory of God. He'd seen the burning bush. He'd seen the ten, ten plagues. He had seen the parting of the Red Sea. He had seen water from the rock. He had seen the evidences of God's manifest presence and power among them, but he had not seen God. He was hungry. He desired to know this one who has led us this far to see him with his own eyes. And this is the question that Moses asked. Please show me your glory. And God answers. God, listen, God wants to reveal himself to you. He doesn't want to hide his glory. He doesn't want to hide his presence or his power. God's an extrovert. He's just waiting on us to seek and to ask. And so I want to ask you that this morning. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Have you walked with Have you seen his faithfulness in your life? Are you hungry? For more of that? Do you want to encounter more of his presence and power, his glory in your life? Ask. Ask. He wants to give it to you. He's not holding it back this morning. You know, every year when we kick off a new year as a church, we enter a season of fasting and prayer. We're going to do it again this January. So we meet here every Wednesday night. Um, we're going to meet here every Wednesday night in January. And we're going to just be together and spend time worshiping and praying and seeking the glory and the presence and the power of God for this new year. So maybe just plan on making that. If, if you're listening to me and you're like, man, I, I hear what you're saying, but I just haven't been there. Well, I'm giving you a long-term goal. January, that's a couple months off, man. Get ready. Get ready. Get your family ready. Get your small group ready. Make a commitment to be here through the month of January, and let's encounter God. Amen? But you can start today. You can start tomorrow morning, man. You can get up, and you can bring your desperation and your desire before Him, whatever condition you're in, and you can expect to see His glory. Let's move forward. Second condition that's like a magnet for God's glory is humility. Humility. Um. A good example of the type of humility that God wants to see in his people is found in um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is, this is the heart of Jesus himself because Philippians 2, if you're familiar with this passage, it goes on to say this is how Jesus was on the earth. He put others first. He considered his, 
He considered himself last. He put others first. This is the humility that God is looking for in his people. Um, We learned this through our rooted study that our small groups have been engaging over the last 10 weeks. Humility, I love this definition, not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. I like that. I really do. Um, And here's a good way. Here's here's a, a good example of how when you live a life of humility, <clears throat> when you live a life of putting your interest and needs behind the ne- interests and needs of the person in front of you, here's a good example of how you can see God's glory. I was visiting um, many of you. Well, many of you guys know Sam Peterson is in hospice right now. Uh, was out on the prayer chain. Uh, went out on the prayer chain yesterday, and I was there uh, with him yesterday, visiting with he and Melissa, and um, and. I was just blown away. I was blown away at here. Here is a man who has been in a battle, you know, diagnosed with a brain tumor with cancer um, about a year ago, and has just been in the war, and it has been a battle all the way. But I was blown away at how Melissa, his wife, shared story after story after story of how Sam has ministered to people over this past year. Um, other cancer victims, um, healthcare workers, people that they've come in contact with, he's per- led two people to the Lord. <laughs> Here's a man who has every right to just feel sorry for himself and to, you know, he, you know to think, I should be the one being ministered to. I should be the one, I'm in the place where I need ministry. But he has flipped it around. And even yesterday, he was ministering to me while I was up there to minister to him. He's speaking life to me. He's amazing. It's an amazing example of, of what Sam, of this right here, of putting your own interest on the back burner and putting the interest and the needs of others in front of you. And I mean, I know, and it was kind of convicting because I know there's been times in my life where I thought, Lord, I'll serve you, I'll, I'll do this for you, I'll do that for you when I get it all put together and when I get it all figured out, when I get all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted, I'll give you, I'll give you everything I have and I'll serve you and I'll give you, you know, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And the Lord is speaking to me saying, no, no. If you're waiting on that, you got to stop. you got to stop waiting. Now's the time. Now is the time. And whatever condition you find yourself in, don't wait for the perfect scenario. Don't wait for the perfect calling. Be about the business of God with the person that he puts in your life right in front of you, wherever you are in that moment. Humility. Humility is a magnet for the glory of God. As they were sharing story after story of how he, how um, just in those interactions with other people, how they would begin to speak and people would begin to weep and the presence of God would come into those conversations and they would pray for people and speak life into people or lead people to the Lord. It just amazed me. It just blew me away. Humility. Putting the needs of others before your own needs draws into the situation the glory of God, the presence and the power of God. 
And the third one here, hiddenness. Hiddenness. This has been something that the Lord has been dealing with me and speaking to me on for a while now and really showing me the value of being hidden for His glory. And, and let me explain it like this. I know this is kind of a, an abstract concept, but I've never, I've never seen a generation more, more hungry for a platform in my life more hungry for a place of position and influence and, uh, and to be the biggest thing out there. I've never seen a generation, you know, look all over social media. It's, it's like there's this thing where people are not satisfied until they've reached the biggest platform, the biggest position of influence that they can possibly obtain. And I've even gone to conferences of people that I admire and, and listen to and still think very highly of, but but it's like when they're speaking to, um, when they're ministering or speaking to people, it's like they're telling their story and they're, and they're talking about the part of their life where they were, for example, I heard, I heard somebody recently speaking at a conference and she said, you know, for 20 or 30 years, I labored in obscurity and just served the Lord at this little country church. And I was just faithful with that until one day this big break came and God lifted me up and gave me a platform for public speaking. And that's when I got a book deal. And she went on to talk about this. And she was saying, so that, if that's you, if that's you, if you're laboring in obscurity, just stay faithful because your day is coming. And you're going to get there. And God's going to give you a position and a platform. And even as she was saying that, the thought came to me like, what if the laboring in obscurity is what God gave you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What if God is getting as much or more glory from that than a platform. And it just turned me off to that pursuit that, that so many are swept up into today uh, or that feeling of, I need to do more. I, I've, this is great and what I'm doing is great, but I've got to get to the next level. But you know what you're going to find there? It's not enough either. You've got to get to the next level. And, to the ne and it's, it's, it really boils down to works. God loves people who, are, who understand hiddenness. Those moments where you are out there just doing life and you are ministering to whoever God brings across your path that day and, and you're just faithful and obedient, whether it's a prayer or a word of encouragement or, a, or a, you bless a need that they have. And it's something that nobody else in the world is going to know about unless you share it as a you know, testimony or something. Nobody else is going to know it. It's a hidden thing. But let me tell you, and you know this too, because I know this body and this is who you are. In those moments, when you're in those moments, man, glory comes into those moments. For me, glory has come into those moments that far surpasses any moment I've had on any stage or platform to this day. And God said, God just has been dealing with me on that and showing me those hidden moments, those secret moments that are just between me and Him and whoever. That's where His glory is. 
That's where his presence and power is. Now, it's also from a platform. It can also be in a stage and in a conference. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking that. Please hear me. I, I love to go to big worship events and, and all of those things and to hear awesome anointed speakers speak. But sometimes we put that up as being the height of God's glory. of Like that's where it's at. and We've got to chase that glory cloud and get to that place to really lay hold of what God wants to do with our lives. I just feel like lately God's just been saying, nope, <laughs> nope, <laughs> it's not it. It's not it. There is so much glory in just being willing to be obedient and minister to the people or the person or the need that's right in front of you. And when you're faithful to do that, he will come into that moment. And those are precious moments. Those are amazing moments with people and with him. So I just want to encourage you in that. You know, if you're on that cycle or if you're, if you're running that race, you know, Bill talked about running the rat race. And we as believers, especially in ministry, or you know, we, we can get caught up in that rat race of getting to the next level and the next level. Let God set you free from that today. Just be willing to be hidden for His glory and to do whatever He gives you to do. I want to close it down like this. And Ben, you can come up and give us some music. Um, I was talking to um, somebody this week, a lady, <clears throat> and she was sharing the most fascinating story with me um, about um, a time that uh, someone, her, fa- or her son, um, was actually going through a really rough time and um, struggling with some identity issues and struggling um, being bullied. And worst of all, he's been bullied by his own father um, because of these issues. And it was really, really tough on him. And he had come to the place where um, he was suicidal and wanted to take his own life. And um, she said, she said she came home, or he came home from school, and she didn't know where he was. And she saw him, and he was out on the balcony of this apartment they lived in. He was going to jump. He decided he was going to take his own life, or, or at least try to. And so she sees him out there, and she runs out there, and she's like begging him to come back over on the other side of the rail. And he's not, and he won't. And so she just like probably any mother in here would do well I would think any mother would do she climbs over the rail and now she's standing out on the ledge with him and they're standing there together she said if you jump I jump she said because if I lose you I don't want to live I love you you're my life and if you die I die And he just looks at her and he couldn't believe it. So she stood there for a minute and then she said, you know, Lord, what do I do, you know? And the Lord just begins to speak to her, you know, in that moment. And a song rises up in her heart. She begins to sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me I once was lost but now I am found 
was blind, but now I see. She's singing. The presence of God is coming into that moment. And they look at each other. And he climbs over the rail. She climbs over the rail. And they just hold each other. They just hold on to each other. They weep and they cry. She said, the presence of God just came around us. You know, in a powerful way. I thought about that and I thought, it's exactly what I'm talking about. No one else in the world. You know, that didn't happen on a platform. That didn't happen on a stage. It didn't happen before an audience. It was a hidden moment. It was a private, hidden moment between her and God and her son. And the glory of God descended and literally brought someone from death to life. I thought about that and I thought about the impact of that and I thought, you know, what that mother demonstrated is so the heart of God. It's so the heart of God because maybe you're here this morning and you feel hidden in a different way. Maybe you feel hidden from God. Maybe you're wondering, can He even see me? Is He even aware what's going on in my life, what's going on in my situation? Am I hidden from His sight? Does He know? Does He care? I want to encourage you this morning. He does. And just like that mother, He jumped over the rail and He stood out on the ledge with you. And He took the fall for you so that you don't have to. He took the fall so that you wouldn't have to be hidden from His sight so that you could know Him as Father, as Savior. So if that's you this morning, you're not hidden in that way. I want to encourage you. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He's here for you this morning. So let's bow our heads before Him for just a moment. Maybe you're going through a season right now where you feel hidden in that way. If that's you, just open your heart before the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, you know every heart in this room. You know the condition of every heart. You know the struggles and the trials and you know the disappointments and the pain and the wounds and you know, Lord, you know nothing is hidden from your sight. So Lord, for the people that are here today that feel that feel that way, Lord, I would ask right now for glory to descend and for the power and presence of God to begin to fill their heart. I pray that they would feel the warmth of your love moving into their life in a new way today, right now throughout this week that they would experience the deep, transforming, powerful love of God. That is a song we sang earlier that would leave the 99 and go and find the one. That love that knows no barriers, that knows no railings or fences, 
that jumps over it all to get to us and to be with us, that they would know that love and that that love would now make all things new. I ask you for that right now, for healing in those hearts and for a new life. Let's say this together as a body. Lord Jesus, you see me and you know me and I am yours. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to have the elders come forward. We're going to receive communion this morning. think about God's glory being hidden this is the ultimate example right here when Jesus came God incarnate the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form came to dwell among us hidden but in plain sight flesh and blood that contained the glory of God and he walked among us and he lived among us and he gave himself up for for our sake for our sin and so that he could he could be the father and the savior that we need let's stand to our feet this morning let's pray father we thank you again for this precious gift that's been given to us in the body and in the blood of Jesus. Lord, as we receive this communion this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would remind us again of your great sacrifice and that it would remind us again of your love for us. And Father, that it, there would be a transformation, Lord, of heart and mind where there needs to be. Lord, take our lives and use them for your glory in this earth. Let our lives be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, just as you gave yourselves fully for us. Lord, may we also give our lives fully to you and for the sake of others. And may it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name. We have um, Ben and Jennifer available for prayer on this end. Kirk, if you would be available down on this side for anyone that needs prayer this morning, if you've come and you just want to spend some time praying with someone, uh, you can pray with Kirk and Tina or Ben and Jennifer, or you can just come to the altar and pray alone if you need to. But if you need to just spend some extra time um, here at the altar today, it's open and available to you. Um, so let's just come from the sides and receive communion. After you re receive communion, you're free to go. God bless you and have a great week.
Passa